Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week, I'm happy to welcome back my co-host, Katie, who's going to be sharing the birth story of the newest addition to her family, Baby Maeve. You'll get to hear everything from her water breaking to the ambulance ride to the hospital and finally, her serene birth experience. This is a vaginal birth that happened during one of the COVID-19 lockdowns in Ontario, so it's definitely worth listening to. I also want to quickly mention that in this episode, Katie mentions hypnobirthing and talks about Lynn Jackson Taylor. She is one of our guest experts who has created a masterclass exclusively for the ladies in our mommy mentorship program. What is the mommy mentorship program? Well, I'm glad you asked. We created this program to support expectant moms from their third trimester through their first year of motherhood. Not only do you get guest expert masterclasses, but we have information packages for each month, so you have the information you need when you need it. We also have a private Facebook support group for new moms, so we can help each other out as things arise, as well as every Wednesday night, Katie and I go live in the Facebook group. We talk about topics that the group want to talk about, and some of the ladies join us live so they can chat to us as we talk. And if you don't make it to the live, there's always the replay. It's sort of like an interactive podcast where you get to see us and talk to us. It's so much fun that Katie and I both say Wednesday night is our favorite night of the week. The Mommy Mentorship Program is low cost and we have purposely made it that way because we want it to be accessible for all the moms who know that this is the type of support they need. We would love for you to join us. There's some information on our website, bestlifemomsclub.com. But send us an email or a message on Instagram if you're interested in joining. With that, I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so you're back. Maeve is a month old now. Yes, I'm back. And how is how is everything going? It's going well. Let you know, it's sleepless nights, constantly feeding every three hours, you know, the exhaustion and everything, but that's to be expected there everything has gone really really well I've been really lucky this time Freya and Finn have done a really great job adjusting to having Maeve home yeah like it's just been it's been busy but good yeah it's been good life is always going to be busy with three children (laughs) with one child your life is busy yeah then you just keep adding them and then it just becomes kind of chaos at least that's how it feels half the time over at our house oh yeah there's there's definitely chaos here 
Well, and that's that's it. When you've got kids under the age of like five, your world is kind of chaos. And then as they get older, it gets easier in some aspects and harder in others. Right. So like there's always the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, at least Freya and Finn had been adjusting really well, which is usually like a big hurdle when you're introducing a new sibling. And I really liked that you bought them both dolls. Yeah. Yeah. So their gift. And I've never, I, I didn't do this with with Freya when Finn was born because she was under two. So like, um, but I was like, okay, they're older. I want to make sure that they kind of have something to do knowing that I like to baby wear. So I have my wrap and I wear my babies all all the time. Um, So I got each of them a new doll and uh, it's like one of the Melissa and Doug mine to love. So they have a set of twins. So it's like, perfect. I'll just buy them. One of them, it's a boy and a girl set. And so we gave kids uh, each a doll. And also uh, I bought them doll baby carriers so that when I'm wearing Maeve, then uh, they can be wearing their babies as well at the same time. And yeah, it's gone over well. So they both have their babies. They both, you know, even Finn will breastfeed. He does skin to skin with with his baby. (laughs) That's so cute. Um, Both of them are named Snowflake. (laughs) um interesting (laughs) well Finn is at the stage of like monkey see monkey do right so like Freya named her snowflake and Finn said now his is snowflake as well so um which is really cute and Freya will breastfeed her her snowflake and they do skin to skin and yeah she Freya wears hers in the carrier but she also has lots and lots of babies everything every stuffed animal is a new baby um, but she has her new her new one from Maeve uh, as a gift from Maeve. And yeah, so it's gone over well. I will say like both of the kids have had their own struggles during this transition. Like, you know, there's been hiccups along the way with bringing Maeve into the family and their interaction with Maeve. There's, there hasn't been the jealousy that I've heard stories of other, other um, families have when a new sibling comes, like towards the new baby. The question of like, when is the baby going going back or take, send the baby back. We haven't had any of that. Fran and Finn have, they've had their own struggles. Um, Finn has really struggled with like the separation of me and him. So that kind of affected his sleeping here and there. And Freya's had her own struggles as well, but overall it's gone really well. And yeah, we're really lucky and things always kind of come up with behavior along the way. And so we just kind of, we're dealing with it and giving them time and space to adjust because there was a lot of change happening in the week that we came home from the hospital. <laughs> a lot that happened outside of Maeve uh, arriving. So that was a challenge that first week for sure. So let's talk about the night that you went to the hospital with Maeve. Yeah. So let's start there and then <laughs> we'll talk about her full birth story. Yeah. Well, it actually kind of starts on like the Friday. So that was really for us local, like in Ontario uh, was really like the height of the second wave of COVID um, because like at, we were having daily over 4,000 new cases a day. So um, like we knew kind of what to expect going into the hospital and like what restrictions were in place. So that was something that we knew. But on the Friday, I had my usual doctor's appointment. I was like 39 weeks and two days at that appointment. And he was like, I'm going to check you again. And why don't I just do a stretch and sweep? 
And I was like, okay, sure. Like I've never had to do that before. And I didn't, I've never had a stretch and sweep before. Um, so he did that. And when he was doing the stretch and sweep, he was like, oh, I'm touching the baby's head. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, Cause I had, I was dilated a little bit. I was only dilated to two, I think. Stretch and sweeps are very uncomfortable. Are they not? Oh yeah. Like they are not comfortable at all whatsoever. Cause like, it's like the, the really hard checking, although our, our doctor is very gentle. He, so he was, you know, touching my cervix and then he was stripping the membrane or at my cervix. And so I was dilated a little bit and he was like, Oh yeah, I'm touching the baby's head. The baby's head is right at the cervix while he was doing it. I definitely had to like, remember to breathe and not like pull away and try and like crawl off the, off the table. <laughs> With, yeah. with his uh you know his arm inside trying to like sweep away um so I definitely had to breathe through it it was it was uncomfortable for sure and uh so he said you know we'll see what happens stretches stretches and sweeps statistically it's usually only one in 12 women it works success successfully for uh so he's like maybe you'll be one the one in 12 that I've done recently so he said like we'll see if it works if it's going to start something it will start in 12 to 24 hours and he said like we'll book an appointment for you for next week and be prepared if you come in next week that we will have to have a plan for induction because he had offered earlier for me to be induced and I just wasn't ready the idea of an induction scared me so I just was like no I'm gonna I'm okay to wait but he said, next time you come in, we'll definitely have to have a plan for that. He says, I don't think you're going to be back, but just in case we'll book an appointment. And so you know, I, I left and he, the stretch and sweep happened. And I had like maybe a little bit of cramping, a little bit of a couple slight contractions, but everything stopped once I got home. And I, he, he had said, um, you know, there could be some spotting, which I didn't have. So I was like, ah, you know, we'll see. So but nothing really happened from it. The contract couple contractions had stopped and, and I had been having contractions for a while, like off and on for, well, I had been having Braxton Hicks since 24 weeks. So um, pretty significantly. And then I had been having odd contractions here and there and then they would just stop. So um, yeah, nothing happened on the Friday. And then on the Saturday, it was a really busy day for me. Uh, we are in the process of renovating our basement so he was drywalling the ceiling. And so it was a really busy day for me because I had Fran Finn all day and uh, there was no breaks. Like in the past, he's been, you know, taking them for a couple of hours on a Saturday and Sunday or whatever. But no, it was like all me because he was like, we need to get this done as much as we can before the baby comes. And he had people booked out. Right. And he's like, you got to make it. So the electrician comes, you got to make it. So this guy comes, right? Yeah. The plumber, the electrician. Yeah. He kept putting these milestones, like starting in November, like you have to make it to December and then you have to make it to this point. You have to make it to Christmas. Now you have to make it January 1st. And now you have to make it until the plumber comes. And now you have to make it to the electrician comes. And then he, uh, he booked my dad to come and help him do the drywall of the ceiling. So he's like, you have to wait until we do the drywall. Your parents were going to watch the kids when you went to the hospital. Yeah. Well. We, yeah. We had planned that they, my parents live about a half hour away. So 
and they know the kids the best. They know their routines. Like in the summer, we lived together at the cottage. Like there was no question whatsoever. Um, my mom had had knee, knee replacement surgery in the middle of December. So like she's, she was kind of laid out. Her mobility was limited. So my dad was going to be kind of taking the brunt of it. And we actually hadn't seen my parents for almost two months leading up to this because of her surgery and everything. And then because of the cases for COVID and the restrictions that were put in place and lockdown and stuff that we had, you know, over Christmas, like we had not seen anybody, we had not seen them for almost two months. So this was the first time it was a really big deal to be seeing them. So yeah, it was a busy day. Like Peter and my dad were working all day. And then my mom, because of her knee was kind of was stuck on the couch. Um, but around. And so the kids and I did lots of stuff. We did baking. Uh, we went and played in the snow. We went down to the park in the afternoon, like in the afternoon and uh, played in the snow. And uh, yeah, so, and my belly had been sore. Like I had been on my feet all day. My belly was sore. I have the odd contraction here and there, but like I had already written off and said like, obviously the stretch and sweep didn't work because I didn't go into labor. And I think I remember texting you and be like, nothing happened. Like, guess it didn't work. Yeah. So it was busy. And then during dinner, we had dinner together. Now I realized like I was having some contractions because my back was really sore. I was having some back labor and, but I, in the moment I didn't think anything of it. I just figured I'd been on my feet all day. I was tired. My belly was tired. My belly was sore. And I, so I remember like I had to, during dinner actually get up because I couldn't sit any longer in the chair. It just hurt. Um, my back was too sore. So I was, and my mom was like kind of looking at me and I was like, no, no, like my belly's sore. Like I'm sore, but I'm okay. My mom was just kind of looking like, I don't think you are. <laughs> um, well, and you were what? 39 weeks, right? Yeah. I was 39 weeks and three days. Yeah. At that point. And so my parents helped put the kids to bed and we tidied up at around seven o'clock. They went home. And then around 7.30, I was like, I'm okay. I think I'm having contractions now. Like maybe I should start tracking. <laughs> so I had a, an app on my phone. And so I started. And uh, like when I first started, um, the contractions were, you know, like I was, they were lasting a decent length, like 30 to 30 seconds to a minute. Um, but they were like 11 or 12 minutes apart. And then within about a half an hour, I had gotten them, they had really increased in frequency to about um, five to six minutes, sometimes four minutes apart, but only lasting about a half hour. And our doctor had said in the appointment before, you know, like usually the rule for going to the hospital is like the 511, right? Like five minutes apart, lasting one minute in length for an hour. Um, and that's kind of the rule to go to hospital. But he said, you know, it's your third baby. Let's do five minutes apart, one minute in length for a half an hour. Um, and so I like eight quarter after eight, maybe eight, eight o'clock. I had showed, showed Peter the app and he was like, these are your contractions. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, I need to go to bed. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, well, I need to go to bed so that I don't do what happened with Finn. And he's like, I don't want to be up all night if labor is going to take all night again. 
and then fall asleep and then have everything happen when I fall asleep. And then I wake up while like in the midst of everything, like getting set up and then almost uh, passing out, which is what happened to Finn. He was up all night and then he, uh, things happened and uh, all of a sudden doctors were rushing in and, and Peter woke up to them, like to me starting to push. And like, so he like jumped out of off the couch and, um, and then almost passed out. So he's like, I don't want that to happen this time. I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to have a little nap because he had been working all day, of course. So he was tired. And uh, so I was like, okay, just go to bed. Yeah, I'm fine. Like, I'm, I'm good. Don't worry. I'll just hang out. <laughs> so, yeah. I was like, yeah, no, I'm totally fine. Like, not that I'm tired. <laughs> no. Yeah. You, you have a nap for all the hard work you're going to do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah but so, so I I he went to bed and so the house was quiet and it was like it was actually really nice like I was having contractions the house you know I dimmed the lights and and I watched a few episodes of Bridgerton I was texting you and another friend and because I was like I don't know like I've never labored at home before so this is like was a really new and kind of scary experience and then I was doing it by myself and and so I was like, okay, I'm going to talk to you and another friend. And so we were texting back and forth. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but it was, it was a really new, strange experience. And, uh, and I was doing my, like, so my contractions were going and they were pretty, they were consistent. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, obviously I was in labor. Um, oh, we all knew you were in labor. <laughs> yeah. I think I was the only one who didn't know I was actually in labor. I think I was in denial a little bit. Cause I was like, no, no, I have lots of time. And, you know, by like nine o'clock they were lasting over a minute, but they were still around eight minutes. They had kind of slowed down again. And then I ended up changing positions. I got my um, exercise ball out and that, and so I was like hanging over it and I, it is shocking how changing a position that you're laboring in, how that can affect your progress. Because I went from having, you know, 10 minute apart contractions to five minutes again, like just by changing my, my positioning, but I was like really relaxed. And in our mommy mentorship, we have one of our guest experts is a hypnobirther, Lynn Jackson Taylor. She does uh, her, her programs called birth, like a boss. And so I did her program. I, I bought the package and I did the, the training and everything. Cause I was like, I'm going to try it. It sounded really interesting. So I was doing the hypnobirthing techniques and I was feeling great. I was like, yes, like I can do this. I was feeling really empowered, really confident um, and really calm, which was a nice change for me because leading up to this uh, pregnancy, uh, this delivery, I had a lot of fear that I had really, I had, I had mentioned it a little bit in one of the former episodes of the podcast um, about kind of a couple of my fears, but I, I was really holding in a lot of fear about having another baby, not about having the baby, but like labor and delivery this time. Um, so well, part of that's because Finn was such a traumatic birth. Yeah. So there was definitely the, the, the trauma from Finn's birth. Absolutely. Um, I also had a lot of fear about having a full-term baby. Like I didn't, that unknown in a sense, I felt very much like a first time mom. I, I like, I didn't know what to expect with Frey and Finn, with them being smaller, 
maybe it's in my head that I thought like, you know, they were smaller in size that I was able to get them out faster because I did, you know, my deliveries were very, very short with them in the sense of like, I think I pushed six times with Freya in like within and 15 minutes maybe. And then with Finn, I pushed three times under two minutes. Like it was fast, fast. So I had this fear of like a full-term baby being and really struggling. And I was really doubting my ability to deliver a full-term baby. Um, I also had a really big fear that I was going to in delivery also have prolapse. Um, And this was because with this pregnancy, I, I, I had mentioned in early other episodes that I had been struggling with circulation issues. So like I had a very swollen vagina in this pregnancy. Um, I have a friend who also was pregnant at the same time as me. She delivered a week before me, her third as well. And she had similar issues and her husband nicknamed her vagina, the puff puss. <laughs> and I was <laughs> And uh, yeah, so that like totally was me and I was really, really scared. And so like to the point where I was icing, I was using ice and sitting on ice packs all the time because that was like really the only relief while I was pregnant for how swollen I was. And I was really, really, I was really concerned that even while pregnant, I was having some prolapse happening because of how swollen I was. But so I had this really big fear that I was going to prolapse while pushing out this baby. Yeah. So that was a really big fear of mine, but despite those fears while I was in labor and I was doing these techniques, I was so calm. I was really in the zone. Like I was doing really, really well. And I was feeling so confident. So I was really excited about that. Like, yes, I can do this. I watched a few episodes of Bridgerton or I rewatched them because who am I kidding? I had already watched the entire series (laughs) once before. And, uh, And then it got to a point where I was like, you were like, you definitely need to call your parents. Your parents need to come because they're a half hour away. Like, think about it. You need to get them to come. Yeah. When you sent me a screenshot of your app, I was like, oh my gosh, you need to call your parents because I knew that over the next little bit, it would progress. And then I didn't want you to not have your parents there. So. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you, uh, I think I, I think like when I screen sent them to you, it was probably like, they were like four and five minutes apart, but anywhere between 40 and 60 seconds apart. Like, so that should have been a flag. Like you need to go to the hospital now. Um, I was doing so well with the techniques that I didn't think that I was actually in like full labor. Um, and I think that was something that, yeah. Like I just, I just did not know. I missed that flag. Like, okay, you need to go to the hospital now. Cause clearly like I had been having contractions for like consistent four or five minute contractions for, you know, close to an hour at that point. But I was doing so well that I was like, ah, like I'm not actually in labor. And that was a big mistake of mine. Um, but I ended up calling when you and my friend were like, yeah, you guys, you guys need to call, you need to call. Um, and meanwhile, Peter is asleep the whole time. Like he had no idea what was happening. He was still asleep upstairs. And uh, so I called my mom and I was like, okay, like I, I'm having contractions regularly. I think you guys need to come now. So they packed up and headed their way. <laughs> so meanwhile, on their way over, uh, my brother called and my brother is separated from his wife. And so he's lived back at home. And uh, so my parents had left. And so he called and was like, 
he was calling to like wish me good luck um but I was just so calm for like the first five minutes of this conversation he we were like very roundabout and then he was like okay I have to ask like are you actually in labor or is this is a joke because like you're so calm and I'm like no no like I've just had like two contractions in this conversation like we're good and so he didn't believe it so then we were just talking so we were just having a conversation and I'm laboring like having contractions and we're I'm watching the office in the background and talking to him and then just like randomly we're talking and or he's talking and I'm listening and and I was laying on the couch because I was like oh I better slow these contractions down a little bit so I tried changing positions and and then I was on the couch and I felt like this kind of pop two pops happen and then a slight gush and I was like uh, I was like Matt I think my water just broke and he was like what I'm like I don't know if I my water broke or not and I was I like I put my hand on my in like on my pants and my crotch and felt the felt the couch and it wasn't wet and I was like I, I kind of need maybe I should go to the bathroom and so I had him on speakerphone and we went into the like I brought the phone into the bathroom and I sat down and I had a pee and then I never stopped peeing and I'm like oh my god Matt my water broke and he was like what your water broke and I was like yeah it was very different than my water breaking with Freya um this was like two pops and not a massive gush but a slight gush but it didn't actually come out until I got to the the toilet uh, and then it was just like pouring out I'm like yeah definitely my water is broken so my water broke between like 11 45 and like yeah, between 11.45 and 11.50 that night, once my water broke, my cons- my contractions were like two minutes apart. They went from consistently like seven, between four and seven minutes apart before my water broke to two minutes apart and hugely intense. And then my whole calm hypnobirthing, <laughs> like zen went flying out the window, like all hell broke loose. Um, I was just like, oh my God, my water broke. I started panicking because the contractions were so fast and they were so intense and they were lasting for really long. So they were like back to back almost. And I was just like, oh my God, my parents aren't here. Peter's upstairs asleep. I can't get upstairs because I could barely stand up. Um, I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So like my brother has me on phone, but then has like my parents have their like landline still. And so he was on the landline calling Peter's cell phone to wake him up. And because I didn't want, like I was kind of yelling, but trying not to yell to wake up. So I didn't wake up the kids. Matt kept calling Peter's phone and he wasn't picking up. He's like, why isn't he picking up? And he was like, he has an iPhone. It's after like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. He has it on do not disturb. So like the phone calls weren't going through. The phone was blocking them from like, disturbing Peter while he was sleeping oh yeah that's that's when that doesn't work very well right <laughs> yeah there's an emergency yeah and so then we also have a landline still just in case like for emergencies and I was like just call the house call the house and so he was calling the house trying to get Peter up and then finally Peter woke up and he's like Katie's water broke you need to go downstairs and and so then Peter kind of stumbled down and so much for him sleeping and not like, and being prepared for when things happen because he was not. So literally just as Matt was telling Peter to come downstairs, my parents walked in the door. 
Um, thankfully I had like the good sense to like unlock the front door so that they could come in. So they came into me, Matt yelling on the speakerphone, her water broke. You need to call an ambulance. Like this is not like she, and I was just a mess. Um, I was not calm. I was like, Oh my God, I've made, I've waited too long. I've made a terrible mistake. Why did I do this? I was trying to be too nice to people like letting Peter, Peter sleep. Uh, why wasn't I selfish? I was frantic and I needed someone to step up and like really like kind of like not actually slap me, but like kind of be like take charge of it. And because everything was happening so fast um, and everybody walked into it at the same time, not prepared for that, um, nobody was able to step up. So then I was like, oh, I was so angry that um, like I had to be answering and telling people what to be doing. And my brother's yelling, like, call an ambulance. And I'm like, shut up, Matt. Like, stop talking. And he's like talking to my mom via this my phone, like on speaker. And I'm like, just stop talking, everyone. And I was frantic and it was very chaotic. Who called the ambulance then? My mom called the ambulance because Peter was disoriented and I was in so much pain. And also at that point, I was like, I need to push. I need to poop. I can feel pressure, like I need to push, but I don't want to push because I'm at home, which is another reason why I was freaking out because it was almost like almost instant that uh, my water broke, contractions picked up. I had pressure. So I was like, oh my God. So, and this was only in the span of like maybe two or three minutes of like my water breaking, stuff picking up and my parents come walking into everything and Peter coming down. But I had this pressure and I was like, and that's why I was freaking out. Cause I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have this baby here. I wanted an epidural. Like what have I done? And that's why I kept saying like, I made a terrible mistake being too confident in this. And um, so my mom called the ambulance and the, uh, they were like, you need to check for the head. So like have her laid on a, lay down and look for a head. And so my dad was like, I'm going to flag down the ambulance. So he went outside. <laughs> um, and my mom was on, on the phone with, with the 911 operator telling Peter what to do. So Peter laid me down on the couch and he's like, I have to check. And so he just like pulled my pants down and looked. He's like, I can't see ahead. And then the ambulance was on the way and I was in just absolute excruciating pain. And I just kept saying, I need to poop. I need to poop. Peter was like, don't poop. Don't push. Don't poop. Like fight that urge. The ambulance is coming. And Matt was still like, I'm going to hang up now because this is really hard for me to not be able to help you. So he hung up. <laughs> uh, and I guess my mom had said that while like on the phone with 911, they were also preparing her how, what to do to deliver the baby. So what they needed and how to do it. So my mom was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not ready for this. Like, this is not, I can't physically do it because of her knee, because like she could barely, barely walk. And thankfully the ambulance arrived and because of COVID, like you couldn't approach them. They take their time coming in and then they have to ask you the assessment questions. And, and I was just like, no, no, no. Like just get me out of here. And then I had to put a mat, like I had to have, we had to all be masked and everything. And so they put me a coat on me and put some shoes on me and then walked me out to the, uh, the ambulance and loaded me in. And as I was loading in a second ambulance came in and I heard 
the ambulance, the second driver say, do you want us to stay? Like, do you want us to come with you? And the paramedic who was helping me said, yeah, make sure you stay close in case we have to pull over and deliver this baby. So there was a convoy of two ambulances. And I remember hearing the ambul- one of the paramedics say uh, to Peter, like, don't drive through any red lights. You're not protected for that. Like, just meet us at the hospital. And so they loaded me up and I was laid out on the stretcher and um, they were still tracking. And at this point, like they were literally one minute apart. Like I'm just looking at my, my app now and yeah, they were lasting a minute and a half easy and they were a minute apart and it was, it was intense. Yeah. So the ambulance took off. I'm assuming Um, I remember like Peter said, there was lights and sirens and on both of them and they just flew, but I made it to the hospital and uh, at night in our hospital, if you come in, you have to go to emergency. Emergency is the only one in that's open. So they took me into like we unloaded and emerge, and then they had to walk me on the stretcher from emergency into labor and delivery. But to do that, you have to go through the the waiting room of the emergency room. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was on my side in agony, like, and I was not quiet. I was moaning. And I remember like peeking my eyes open and seeing like all the people in emergency room, like looking as I went by being like, what is wrong with that? Like she should be behind the glass should not be coming out. Um, yeah. So they took me in and like the nurses were ready. The lights were on, the warmer was on and uh, they transferred me. And then, so the paramedics left. Um, I had to call Peter because he was not allowed to come into the hospital until I was admitted as a patient um, because of COVID restrictions. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So that's just generally like for labor and delivery, the rules that are in place right now, if you go in to be thinking you're in labor, you have to be assessed. So that'll be a couple of hours. You have to do that by yourself. Support person can only come in once you are admitted in active labor then the support person can come in. So he was in, he had to be out in the parking lot. So the nurse was like, okay, I have to check you, see like where you're at, see where the head is and everything. And uh, the nurse checked me and she was like, "Uh, you're at three centimeters. And I literally screamed, what? (laughs) Because of the amount of pain that I was in and the pressure that I was having, I was like, I was going to have that baby. And now I'm at three centimeters. I was shocked. And I, and I, I, so I yelled, what? And she kind of laughed. And I was like, if my water's not even broken, then you can't even admit me. And I was in absolute agony at that point. And uh, she's like, your water has broken. Like, there's no question about it. We tested your underwear. Like it's, it's been broken. So you're being admitted. And I was like, thank God. I was like, well, if I'm at three centimeters, I want an epidural. And then I said, but I don't understand how I, and this was like in between contractions because they're still like two minutes apart um, and extremely intense. And I said, but I said like, I don't understand how I can be in this much pain and only be at three centimeters. And she said, I would put money on the fact that you were at 10 centimeters at home. You were going to have that baby the ambulance ride because of the jostling, the stress actually stalled your labor and caused you to regress. And she said, that's called the sphincter uh, rule. 
So like your sphincter, where like you could tighten or relax your sphincter, the same thing happens with your cervix because it's a muscle, right? So it can, as you dilate, it relaxes, it gets bigger, but under stress. And if your subconscious brain actually like is assessing that this is not a safe situation, it can regress your labor. And so she said, I would put money on that. It was the sphincter regression or the sphincter rule and that you actually regressed and that you were at 10 centimeters going to have that baby and the ambulance ride stopped you from that happening and which allowed you to get to the hospital. And I was shocked by that. That's crazy. So crazy. And I actually, after the fact, I remembered learning about that in the hypnobirthing class that she had talked about this can happen during interventions and stuff and assessments that it can actually stall or um, regress your labor. So I was like, well, if I'm at three centimeters, give me the epidural. And uh, so they were like, okay, like we got to get blood work and everything in. And so meanwhile, while I'm waiting for all that, the labor was intense. I was moaning and I was kind of like moaning through the pain, um, which was a new experience for me. I was also holding onto the bed frame, like, and I was trying not to tense my lower body. So I was tensing my upper body and um, trying not to fight the contractions. Actually, the uh, anesthesiologist came in and to do the epidural. And so they sat me up and I was like, oh my God, this is going to be an absolute nightmare. Just like having to sit up through these contractions and they were so fast. And I also like, you know, getting in an epidural is not fun for anyone. It's, it's kind of, and I always get nervous about it. And, and so I was hunched as much as I could. And I just said to the nurse, like, I need you to push me, like really, really hold me up and push me. I said, because I, I need help. And so I'm moaning through the pain, sitting up and they put my feet on a ladder. So I was propped up and like my legs were spread super, super far and I was at the edge and I was in my head. I'm like, this is like really going to help my labor. <laughs> like, this is really going to make this baby come out just sitting on the edge. Like I could deliver like this. <laughs> um, and so I was like going through and this anesthesiologist, he was not pleased with my back or with me. <laughs> um, he kept, he asked me if I had ever had scoliosis <laughs> and I was like, nope never had scoliosis. Um, well, if you did have scoliosis and you had surgery to fix it, there would have been scars on your back. Yeah. Yeah. And right? yeah. So he was very upset that I was having a hard time. Like cr- I wasn't curling enough for him, I think, um, arching my back enough for him, which was hard because I was also, I also had just through this whole pregnancy, a really low belly, like this Maeve had was sitting very low in my pelvis the whole time so like sitting up was hard curling like my belly was always in the way so then he asked so he asked me if I had scoliosis and I was like no and then he did a couple of attempts and he kept missing and not it wasn't working like he kept missing and and then he was like I'm a huge advocate for early epidurals and I was like dude I was like if I got here earlier I would have done it like earlier, but that's not the case. So like, just shut up and do your job. Like, I didn't tell him to shut up uh, because <laughs> even in my most like difficult situations, I'm still trying to be a considerate person. <laughs> Although I wanted to tell him to shut up. Um, 
Oh, but, but you also he, wanted the epidural, so well, exactly. <laughs> Got to be and nice then, to him. Well, that's exactly it. I was like, oh my god! Like he did four attempts, and he was like, I don't think this is gonna work. And I was just like, please, I just want the epidural. So he tried again. I think he did the fifth one. At this point, Peter had stepped back because he was just in the way. He always kind of steps back for the epidurals because um, there's nothing that he can do. Yeah. So he tried again. He's like, I don't know if this is going to work, but here's my best shot. And I was just like, thanks, buddy. <laughs> like, so he finished. He said he got it in. Yeah. So then like they were finishing, you know, he was taking the bandage off, finishing whatever he had to do. They had me lay down and, and I was like, I don't know if I can lay down. And they're like, don't worry, we'll get you down. And as soon as they laid me down, I was like, I felt a pop in my vagina, I guess. And, and it was like this crazy pop. And I was like, Oh my gosh, uh, this baby's coming. And so like he had left the anesthesiologist had left and I was like, I need to push. And they're like already. And I was like, yeah, I got to push. And, uh, yeah. So they checked me and they're like, yeah, the ba- that's the baby's head coming out. So, uh, <laughs> oh. so they called the doctor and the OB and, and they're like, okay, like we got to get this baby out. And, um, and then it kind of slowed down like once, like, so I guess the popping was her crowning and I guess I was in so much pain as it was that, I didn't really, I don't, I don't know how I didn't notice. I felt a popping, but it wasn't a painful popping. Like, honestly, I have no idea why, but everything slowed down then. And so we had two nurses and the doctor came in and they turned the lights down and then Peter was there and that was it. And uh, yeah. And so they're like, okay, the doctor's like, let's push, like, let's go. He was very, like, this doctor was very calm. He was very, his bedside manner is very calm and everything. And so he was just like, go. And the nurses were like, you know what to do. So just go. They're like, when you feel it. And my epidural had started to take a little bit of, but like I had taken the slight edge off, but it had not taken. So I could feel everything. Um, so I could actually feel the contractions, which I couldn't do with Freya or Finn. Um, when I needed to push and yeah. And so I pushed, I did poop. I know that I did poop um, because I felt them wipe me. And I was like, I said, I pooped. And he was like, yeah, you did. And I said, was it a big poop or a little poop? And he was like, I don't know. I didn't see it. <laughs> um, not that I was mortified because like I pooped with Freya. And to me, when you poop and just like the labor nurses tell you, if you poop while you're pushing, you are pushing the right way. Like that's the white right way to push. And so I always say like, my goal is to poop while I'm pushing because then I know I'm doing it right. And so I pushed for, I did, I did three pushes, um, in about five minutes and, and then she was there and, um, yeah, so she came out and they laid her on my belly, um, because she couldn't make it up all the way up to my chest, which is similar to Freya in the sense so her umbilical cord was short. Not Maeve, at, hold on, Maves was short too. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Freya's umbilical cord was extremely short. She could barely get out of me, and Peter cut. I remember Peter 
saying he cut her cord with like the scissors like right against my body and Maeve they were able to get her on my belly but not all the way up to my chest because she had a shorter cord not as short but still short which is interesting but uh well yeah because the OB had said that the likelihood of you having another short cord but this was with with Finn when you asked was Mm -hmm. was very slim yeah was really rare yeah Freya's cord was extremely short this one of the shortest cords, if not the shortest cord that those nurse, the nurses and the doctor had seen. So they told me. And yeah, so Maze was short as well. And you know, it was really, it was really nice. This delivery as chaotic as it was like, and then once it stopped pulsing, um, Peter cut the cord and they brought her all the way up to my chest. And I, I got to hold her right away. And I was holding her before, like on my belly, but that's something that I've never been able to do before. I have never held or touched my baby once they're born. Um, oh yeah. Because they both would have been whisked away. Right. Yeah. So that was a really overwhelming moment for me because I had never been able to do that before. Uh, it was really nice and it was really beautiful. <laughs> and um, at that point they didn't know the, the nurse was like, what is it? What did you have? And I looked and I was like, it's a boy. And Peter was like, no, it's not. It's a girl. But <laughs> I, I looked and, but her, her labia was so swollen that it looked like testicles. That's so common. Yeah. yeah. But I had never seen it. Like I had never seen that before. So he was like, no, it's a girl like killing himself laughing and the nurses were laughing but it was really really nice because and then it was so calm like even the pushing was really calm there was no urgency to it even though I pushed fast and she came really fast it was a really really nice way to have a baby I like now looking back like and I remember like looking around and the the room was dark because it was two o'clock in the morning. And so the lights were dim in the hallway and in the room and like the spotlight was on obviously. And the nurses were calm. Peter was calm. The doctor was calm. Nobody was yelling like push, like nobody, there wasn't that energy. It was really calm. And that was really nice. And then I got to hold her and I held her for, for a really long time after. And like, you know, they dried her off on me. They uh, left her on me and then she like kind of latched right away, which, which was pretty amazing for me because again, never had that experience and it was just calm and quiet and yeah, it was really nice. And then like, you know, a little later on, maybe an hour or two later, they're like, do you want to know how much she weighs? And I was like, oh, okay. So then they, you know, took her and weighed her and everything I didn't realize how much I needed something like that, like a delivery like that, because like looking back now, like I had a lot of fear and, you know, a lot of trauma from Finn that I needed to heal and not saying that I'm fully healed from that trauma with Finn. um, But this was something that I didn't expect and I didn't know was possible. And this was a really nice way to do it. It was just calm. It was peaceful. It was not dramatic even though it was, but like there was something serene about it. And I really appreciate that I was able to have that experience. 
And I didn't realize how badly I needed that experience. But yeah, it was, it was crazy how fast she came. And, you know, she was here, like from my water breaking to her arriving was two hours. It was just fast and furious. And, and there was still excitement though, as, (laughs) as with all of your births, there's some sort of excitement. Wait, you don't think the ambulance was enough excitement? (laughs) That's what I mean. That yeah. was your excitement, the oh, chaos yeah. at home. And then it ended up actually being a, a peaceful birth for you. Yeah, it was it was really peaceful. And I really appreciate that. And I'm very thankful for that. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.